The sun is the ultimate source of light, heat, and energy in the solar system. At any given time, a full 50% of the Earth is bathed in direct sunlight, warming the continents and oceans, and bearing the primary responsibility for life on our world. But every once in a while, a tiny sliver of Earth plunges into darkness during the day. Our moon is sometimes large enough and close enough that, when it passes directly between the sun and earth during a new moon, its shadow falls on our planet, creating a total solar eclipse. For lucky sky watchers here on earth, it's a sight unlike any other. How can you make the most of it? Find out on this edition of the Starts With a Bang podcast. When you think about shadows that are made by any object, you generally think that this shadow is going to be the same shape and same size as the object that the light shines on. And this would be true if all of your light was coming from a source that's infinitely far away. But in reality, all of our light comes from the sun, and even at 93 million miles or 150,000 kilometers, that's not an infinite distance, particularly when you're talking about the vast arena of space. The moon, the earth, even Jupiter, any world you can think of, when sunlight shines on it, the shadow it casts is in the shape of a cone. And at some point, at some distance away from whatever object you're talking about, no matter where you're located, no matter how perfectly you're lined up with that object and the sun, if you're beyond a certain distance away, there is no shadow for it to fall on. There is no location where you can experience darkness. So the moon casts a shadow in the shape of a cone, and the distance of that shadow, the length of the shadow, how far you can go into space before it ends, is almost exactly equal to the distance from the Earth to the moon. In fact, because the Earth moves in an ellipse around the sun, where sometimes it's closer and sometimes it's farther, and because the moon also moves in ellipse around Earth, where sometimes it's close to Earth, close to perigee, and sometimes it's farther, far from Earth at apogee, it depends on where these objects are in the orbit that will determine whether you get a total solar eclipse or an annular solar eclipse. When the moon passes in front of the sun, when all three bodies, the Earth, the moon, and the sun line up, you can get an eclipse, but what type of eclipse you get is going to depend on those relative distances and whether the moon's shadow actually falls on Earth or not. When the moon is at its closest to Earth and the sun is at its farthest from Earth simultaneously, what you'll wind up seeing is a total solar eclipse that's up to seven minutes long in duration, which means that's the amount of time that the moon's shadow, from the perspective of someone here on Earth, appears to block out the sun. On the other hand, when the moon is far from the Earth and the sun is close, you won't get a total eclipse at all. Rather, you'll get what's called an annular eclipse, where the moon, even passing midway around the disk of the sun, 
will not block out any of it. You'll wind up seeing a ring or an annulus, and that's where the name annular eclipse comes from. There's also a third option. If things are very, very close, you will get what's known as a hybrid eclipse, where from some locations on Earth you'll see an annular eclipse, and from other locations you'll see a total eclipse. If this sounds weird, the reason why this happens might blow your mind. Think about what this might look like from space. Imagine that you are flying over the Earth, watching the moon's shadow falling in space. When it's very close to being on that border between totality and annularity, when the moon's shadow first hits the Earth, it might not make it. When it first lines up with the Earth, right at the limb, at the edge of the Earth, it might not go quite far enough to get there, to get you a total eclipse. For someone experiencing a sunrise right as the sun appears to peek out over the horizon, if the moon's shadow doesn't quite reach you, you'll wind up getting an annular eclipse because you're far enough away from the moon that it can't quite block out the entire sun. But what happens then as you go closer towards high noon, towards someone who's experiencing the sun being close to directly overhead? Well, the Earth's surface is curved. And so someone experiencing high noon versus someone just experiencing sunrise might be a full 6,000 kilometers or 4,000 miles closer to the moon than someone experiencing sunrise. Imagine what that means. It means that if the difference between totality and annularity is less than 6,000 kilometers, which it is sometimes, then people in some locations on Earth will actually have the moon's shadow fall on them, while people further away towards the edge of the Earth, where it's closer to sunrise or sunset, will only get an annular eclipse. So if you're in the path of totality, that's the ideal place to be. Be closest to midday where the moon is closest to you and do it closest to that center path of totality rather than towards the edges. That's how you'll maximize your time in total eclipse. Well, as we approach the magic date of August 21st, 2017, we're in for a real treat. This is going to be the first coast-to-coast -coast eclipse across the continental United States in 99 years. And it's going to give you 14 states... And it's going to give 14 states the experience of totality. If you're along the center line of the 2017 eclipse, you're going to get between 2 minutes and 2 minutes and 40 seconds of totality here in the continental United States. Before and after, you'll have about an hour where the moon partially eclipses the sun. You will see that the light coming from the sun feels a little weird. You'll still damage your eyes terribly if you look at it with the unaided eyes, so make sure you don't do that unless you have special eclipse glasses or welder's goggles of at least shade 14 glass. But what you will notice is that the sun won't feel as warm. The heat coming from it will be tremendously reduced. Remember how much cooler it gets when the sun goes behind the clouds on a hot day. 
Now, when you're behind the clouds, clouds will block about 30% of the heat from the sun. When you get close to totality in that partial phase, you're going to block 70, 80, 90% of the heat from the sun because the moon is in the way. And when that happens, you can feel the temperature drop by as much as 20 degrees Fahrenheit in some locations. You should also look for shadows. If you have light streaming through the trees or through a pinhole or if you don't have any equipment, just face with your back towards the sun and cross your fingers of your two hands over your head. Take a look at the shadows and what you'll see is the effect of a pinhole camera. You'll see shadows of the sun having its disk partially blocked by the moon. If you're actually in the path of totality, just before and just after totality starts and ends, you will get to experience a fantastic phenomenon known as Bailey's Beads. If you wear your eclipse glasses and you look up at the sun, what you'll see is the sun will go from a crescent to just these tiny little points of light along that last edge of the sun. Those points of light, those points of sunlight are known as Bailey's Beads. This is sunlight poking out of the craters in the moon where you have those little craters cut out. The crater walls are high enough that they will block the sunlight. But the crater dips, the pits of the craters, will actually allow sunlight to shine through them, creating that bead effect. If the moon didn't have these massive tall mountains and these dips of craters in them, if the moon were perfectly smooth, then during the moments you see Bailey's beads, mm -mm, instead you'd be experiencing totality. This is proof with your own eyes that the moon is not a perfectly smooth sphere. But if you have any way of getting there, totality is where the real show happens. If you experience that, when you get to totality, that's when it's safe to look anywhere you want, including directly at the sun, because no direct sunlight will hit your eyes to damage them. Instead, the sights you'll see will be out of this world. It'll be unlike anything else. With your naked eye, you'll be able to see the solar corona, the hot x-ray emitting gas heated to millions of degrees above the limb of the sun. It'll extend out for many times the sun's radius, and those of you with good vision will be able to see a good portion of that with your naked eye. You'll also see stars and planets begin to appear during the day, and it will be dark. Make no mistake, you won't have seen something this dark during the day ever, save during dusk and during the pre-dawn hours. What you know as twilight will be about as dark as the sky that you'll see. So where do you go to watch this? Well, the 2017 eclipse is going coast to coast across the United States, and totality will hit 14 of them. Oregon, Idaho, Wyoming, Nebraska, Kansas, Iowa, Missouri, Illinois, Kentucky, Indiana, Tennessee, North Carolina, Georgia, and South Carolina. More than 12 million people will get to experience totality without even leaving their homes. 
This could be the most watched eclipse in the history of the world, beating the 30 million or so people who saw the eclipse last decade that went across portions of India and China, including the major city of Shanghai. And this could not only break the record for that, it could actually create the largest traffic jam in history. So if you have any notions of seeing this eclipse and driving there, do not drive there the day of the eclipse. You will almost surely miss it, as all the traffic forecasts are predicting. Where should you look in the sky? Well, it's really important if you want to get the most out of totality to make sure your visual line of sight to the sun, to where the sun is going to be during totality, is clear. So if you're closer towards the west coast, make sure that the southeastern skies where the sun is going to be are clear when you pick a spot. If you're more towards the east coast, make sure the southern southwest part of the sky is clear. You want a direct line of sight to where the sun is going to be. That will result in you getting the most spectacular sights of all. You'll want to be able to see exactly where the sun is during those moments of totality. It's also paramount that you value your eye safety in this. It's extremely easy to either blind yourself or do permanent damage, particularly when the sun is 98, 99, 99.5, 99.99% blocked, because it does not take that much ultraviolet radiation to do permanent damage to your retina. All it takes is about a total of 60 to 90 seconds of looking directly at the sun. And it doesn't have to be consecutive. If you look for five seconds and then look away, and you look for another five seconds and you look away, and you do that maybe 15 to 20 times, you will permanently damage your eyes. It is cumulative during the day of looking at the sun, and it can burn out your retinas forever. So here's how you be safe. Number one, do not look directly at the sun with your unaided eye except during complete totality. Number two, if you're going to look at the sun during any other time, make sure you have eclipse glasses or shade 14 welders goggles or hoods. The eclipse glasses need to be the ones with the silvered outside and be ISO certified. You need them for looking at the sun when there's any portion of the sun shining directly on you, even during the Bailey's beads phase. And if you're going to use welder's goggles or hoods, make sure that they add up to shade 14 or higher. Most of the goggles you'll buy at a store are shade 5. Most hoods are shade 10. You can wear those together because they add up to more than 14. That's how shades work. So do that and you'll be safe. Other than that, do not look directly at the sun. You can look at the shadows. You can look at it through a pinhole camera. If someone has a solar filter on the outside of telescopes or binoculars, you could look through that. But those are the only ways to ensure you're being safe looking at the sun. Other than that, enjoy the show. 
you're going to be able to see directly looking at the sun the shape of the moon's shadow because if you look towards the horizon away from the sun you're actually going to see a more illuminated part of the sky the eclipse shadow does not fall everywhere and in fact if you're high up at high elevation you should be able to look down and see places that are not in the sun's shadow it's a remarkable one-of-a-kind sight that i highly recommend to anyone watching them, do not waste your time trying to photograph it. Do not waste your time butzing around. Look. Just look at the sky, at the sun, and at your surroundings. It's going to be an eerie experience unlike anything else you've ever lived through. And one of the remarkable things that's going to come along with that experience is is you are very likely to be able to see a few points of light appear in the dark part of the sky during this eclipse. Those points of light, a few of them will be planets, most of them will be stars. You can see stars during the day during solar eclipses if the conditions are ideal. In fact, solar eclipses were the very first experimental test of Einstein's relativity. When Einstein put forth his theory of general relativity in 1915, it was designed to replace Newton's old theory of gravitation. And it said that unlike Newton's theories, where two objects just exerted a force across the universe on each other, instead, there was this new entity called space-time, where the presence of matter and energy curved space-time, and that curved space told every object, objects with mass, like planets, and objects without mass, like light, how to move. This gave some really excellent predictions, but the first way to test it was going to be during a total solar eclipse. Imagine that you know where the stars in the sky are and where they ought to be. Well, if you have a very large mass like the sun just nearby the light path of where one of those stars should be, if space is bent, then the position of the star will appear to be bent as the light coming from the star will bend around the sun before reaching your eyes. During the day, you can't normally see things like this, but during a total solar eclipse, you absolutely can. The first eclipse to happen after Einstein proposed his theory was in 1916 in Europe, but the outbreak of World War I made that virtually impossible to observe. The next one was 1918, and the United States, during that last great American eclipse, the U.S. Naval Observatory sent a team to Baker City, Oregon to try and measure the bending of starlight. Were they successful? They probably would have been if it weren't for clouds. You can get clouded out during the eclipse. It does not mean it's not an experience that's totally worth it. It will still get dark. Animals will still go to bed early and they'll wake up again when the eclipse ends. You'll still have the weird shadowy phase. You'll still be plunged into darkness and the temperature will still drop. But you won't be able to see stars during the day. So we didn't have success until 1919. And that was when Arthur Eddington and his team were able to measure the deflection of starlight by the sun. The deflection, by the way, was only about 1.6 arc seconds, 
Remember that the sky, a full circle, is 360 degrees. One degree gets broken up into 60 arc minutes, and each arc minute then gets broken up into 60 arc seconds. So we're talking about 0.001 degrees, or even a little bit less. And yet in 1919, we were able to measure that. Today... Radio astronomy can be used to track the positions of objects even during the day. So we've been able to confirm Einstein's relativity extraordinarily robustly. But that first test in 1919 was not only successful, it has stood the test of time. So during the August solar eclipse... Keep an eye out. About one degree from the sun, you're going to see one of the brightest stars in the sky, Regulus, just a slight distance away. That star would be enough to prove and test Einstein's relativity if you took good enough measurements, even today. You should also look a little bit closer towards the west will be Mars, and a little bit closer towards the eastern horizon will be Mercury. For those of you who've never seen the planet Mercury because you're too far north or it's too difficult to observe, this is the perfect time to do it during a total solar eclipse. But pay attention, no matter where you are or what you're looking for, to the part of the sky closest to the sun. It will get dark even as the horizon stays bright. The moon's shadow, being finite in size, ensures that it can't cover all of the Earth at once. Prepare to see not only stars and planets and to view the sun's corona, to watch animals going to bed, and for the temperature to drop by up to 20 degrees Fahrenheit. You'll be experiencing an event that hasn't graced the continental United States in 38 years. When you see the stars, know that you're seeing the very proof that Einstein was looking for, and that if you had good enough equipment, you'd be able to prove that relativity was correct and show that Newton's laws weren't good enough for yourself. The Starts With a Bang podcast is only made possible through the generous donations of our Patreon supporters. To say thank you, I'd like to read off the names of everyone supporting us at the $5 a month level and above. Special thanks go to Ryan Schultz, Samir Kumar, Bakhtiar, Chris Shaw, Denier, Robert Hansen, Richard Jousey, Igor Mitrofanov, Pedro Texera, Alexander Marius, Denise Arnault, Nick Tomlinson, Guy Jin, Rafal Wojcik, Jason Basanseni, Bob Wilson, Marcelo Barnaba, Danny, Andrew T. Douglas, Chris Hilly, Weller Tractor Salvage, Zarko Opachik, James Nance, Bill Murphy, Sidney Atwood, Karen Garrison, Benjamin Turner, Joe Latone, John Seal, Rachel Merritt, Philip Radilovic, Peter Williams, Patrick Dennis, David Taschioni, Kevin Barnes, Glenn McDavid, Jose Enrique, Joe McFarland, Braxton Thomason, Steve Omohundro, Harry Plumley, DGE, Dr. Evil, Thomas All, Mark Armstrong, John Mithot, Amira Sosnick, Radek Nesbida, and Nathan Hanna. Thanks everyone for all your support, and I'll see you next time here on Starts With a Bang. (laughs) 